Hey everybody, welcome to the Down the Rabbit Hole podcast. It's your boy Rob the MC and I got a really cool episode uh, for you guys. It's really an episode about black brotherhood and black love as well and even a little bit of Japan being thrown in there. So I want you guys to welcome one a unique individual, a person I really enjoy. So put a round of applause for my boy Desmond. Hey, hey. All right. So, yeah, bro, how you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. I'm feeling good. Um, like I said, can't com- can't complain. Mm-hmm. Today was a good day. About to kick it with wifey here, you know, once we, we, we finish up and stuff. But, yeah, man, right now I'm just chilling. Yes, I would say long time no see. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. it's been, it's got to have been more than two years at this point, something like that. Yeah, 2017, I think I met you. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. No, I might have been 18. I think it was the summer of eight, summer or fall of 18, okay. something like that. Yeah, we had met at this uh, Korean, uh, it was a, a Japanese noodle spot called Uma Uma, right? Yep, yep, out there in Maryland. Yeah, two black dudes. And, and so it's just, again, I think in previous episodes, I've told people about the racial dynamics of Maryland. But just, again, to reiterate, this area in Ellicott City off of Route 40 is not a lot of black people. We do come out there from time to time, but overall, right. it's not a lot of us. So. For two young African-American men in their 20s to meet and communicate with each other randomly and be like, hey, bro, uh, uh, you like noodles, too? And just to have a start up a natural conversation. Do you remember even what our conversation started like, bro? Yeah, I think I think if memory serves me correct, uh, we was just sitting down uh, and, you know, I think it was just I think that's how we initially connected was like, man, I see another brother in the, 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 the ramen spot. Um, and I think you initially had said, what's up? Um, and then, you know, we kind of just started kind of talking from there, like, Hey, who are you? What do you do? Um, and then I think, um, from there, we, I just kind of shared, you know, I just moved back from Colorado at the time I had broken up with my, uh, my then girlfriend and had been home maybe for about a week and was just trying to figure out what, what next, what the next few moves I were going to make were going to be like. And so, yeah, I I think that's the is what I remember, but yeah, if you if you got the other side of it, you gonna refresh my memory. I imagine we gonna we gonna jump into the bit of the details and stuff, but yeah, yeah, I think I, that's basically what I remember. I just was like, that's another black dude. Okay, I'm comfortable. Right, right. Let's we kind of gave each other the the, the the like the black dude side, like oh, we're good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> Cause it's like uh, I, I, I will I'll kind of get into this later down the line in another episode, but I'm a big uh, indie music person. I love Fleet Foxes and Band of Horses. Those are really unique mm. indie bands, and they're synonymous with white, uh, you know, liberal white hip, you know, hipsters. And so I, I went to a a Fleet Foxes. Um, uh, you know, concert in, in this area called Columbia, Maryland at Meriwether Post Pavilion. And it was like mm-hmm. five or six other black people. And we all looked at each other and we were like, oh shit. And we kind of all had this f- deep feeling of, of connection and understanding. Right, right. And I think we had that as well. The thing that was so cool about you, bro, and uh, that was so interesting was that you had lived in Japan. Kind of tell our listeners about your experience in Japan. What brought you there? Because most people never been and, and especially as a black person, you know? Right. Yeah, so kind of what Rob is alluding to here is, yeah, so I grew up going back and forth to Japan, and I know it's kind of definitely a rare, a bit of a rare thing. Um, And the reason why is, so I'm originally from Baltimore. I grew up in Baltimore County, like close to the Woodlawn area, um, and I went to a middle school called Sudbrook. And at Sudbrook, they had a magnet program that featured uh, different languages. So they have French, Spanish, and Japanese. Japanese was one of the, the languages that they had. And at the time I was doing karate and, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I applied to get into the school. I got in long story short. Um, and then my eighth grade year, the summer after I gra- finished eighth grade, eighth grade graduation or whatever, um, I was able to go to Japan because the, the school had a program that after you finish eighth grade graduation, you could go to the country um, where the language is spoken that you have been studying. So my parents had saved up. I got a chance to go to Japan when I was about 13. Um, I went for two weeks. The first week was just kind of hanging out, chilling, visiting, doing all, doing the whole tourist thing. And then another week with a host family. And that's important because essentially what happened was um, the, my host family, the, the dad speaks fluent English. And so because of that, I was able to communicate and use a little bit of Japanese I had learned in school. And, um, he had two daughters that are about, about my age. And so kind of from there, I just kept going. Like I graduated high school. I went back with a buddy of mine when I was in college. I did 
an eight-month study abroad. Um, when I came back, I graduated. I went to school in Philly. I graduated, got my degree, moved to Atlanta, and worked for a Japanese company, and went back and forth for work. Um, and then ultimately, um, this last time before I met you, I was uh, I was there as a student for about a year, just studying Japanese just straight up. And yeah, I ended up each time I went, I stayed with the family um, that I initially met when I was thirteen. Oh shit! And so really? yeah, I, yeah, 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 Damn. yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, it just that's that's why it kind of came full circle. And to this day, um, we still keep in contact. Actually, when I got married, they flew out um, to my wedding to come see me and my wife get married. And then um, last. September, uh, their youngest daughter got married, and so we flew out to Japan and and watched their and watched the wedding and stuff, and was a part of the festivities and whatnot. So yeah, man, like I got kind of a a long standing connection with Japan. Love Japanese, speak Japanese. Um, got a YouTube channel. It's called Dejidi's Dojo. Right now, I'm kind of focusing on some some other business opportunities, but there's some content there, and uh, I work as a translator as well. I'm a freelance translator, Japanese to English. So. Yeah, that's that's kind of the Japan story in a nutshell, like the quick and dirty. I guess the quick and dirty version of it. But yeah, <laughs> bro, that is so much to unpack. Okay, you know a lot of, and and you know I even say this a lot. Um, it's in vogue to be into Japanese culture, especially yeah. as a black person. But I tell a lot of people there was that we. You know, from growing up, when I grew up, it wasn't always cool to be into like uh, anime. It wasn't always exactly. cool to be into that. Yeah. Exactly. Was, yeah, that yeah, was that your was that your experience? I would say, um, yeah, a little bit. I think you know, at least when I was coming up, it, it was kind of acceptable to like Dragon Ball, right? So a lot of people probably know Dragon Ball Z, um, and they used to come on Toonami and whatnot. And so that was about the extent of it. anything that kind of beyond that. Like if you like, I don't know, uh, maybe Inuya- maybe Inuyasha was cool. One of another animes that was out, but once you once once kind of Naruto came over. A lot of people was kind of out of the whole anime phase, and so yeah, a lot of people just kind of assumed you was you was a little bit of a nerd or a geek or whatever, and it was kind of like a negative connotation, um, I guess, about watching anime and stuff like that. That yeah, it wasn't cool, you wasn't tough, or it wasn't just the the the, the thing to do. But it was crazy, is yeah, like you said, nowadays, especially in black culture, I feel like there's a lot of there's a whole subset of, subset of black people who are real into anime. Uh, and yeah, it's crazy how big it's gotten in our community. Yeah, man, that's that that is so interesting to me. Um, give me one second. I'm just taking a look at this little unit here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, wow that that is so interesting to me, man. That that people are into it now, and and they previously weren't as much. Uh, especially since the advent of social media has made it more easier for people to connect and see that there is a uh, some sort of brotherhood and sisterhood in in the in the appreciation for Japanese culture. Um, right, you know what I'm saying. And for me, I'm trying to work through. I just watched. I don't know how whack this is or not, but I just finished watching um, Castlevania. Um, yeah, yeah. Who, which is you know, is that considered anime? So I think yeah, I think they do have um, anime. Originally, it was a game. But I think it was ported over and made into an anime, and I think they'd have they have several different uh, series. Sometimes they'll they'll do a series and then they'll re- remake another series or wh- remake the same series, but like have different episodes and a different plot or, or whatever. And so yeah, yeah, I think it is. Okay, cool. Anime. I was like, am I talking about the subway of anime? I ain't really that deep. <laughs> I, 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 my, anim- my anime street cred ain't, ain't, ain't legit. You understand me? So I don't want to get my car pulled out here in these anime streets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you, man. Yeah, I hear you. I'm, it's, what's funny is I'm not even like, I'm not super deep, deep into it. Like I know a lot of the classics and there's some modern ones I do enjoy, but I wouldn't say you know, if he was going to ask me about, you know, some very niche anime, I, I would be like, yeah, they're going to pull my card too. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I got you. I got you. So yeah, some questions as you talked about your journey and, and I think it's so beautiful when other people who have a shared appreciation for each other, again, as a black man dealing with Japanese and then, now were these folks, they're Japanese folks you, you stayed with, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's Japanese. Yeah. That is so beautiful because in a world we live in, unfortunately, people always want to, you know, you know, there's always racism and a whole bunch of stuff, which is true. We deal with as people of color. Right. right. But um, for two different distinct cultures to stay connected for multiple years to the point that they come all. And it's not cheap to come to um, Japan and Japan to come to America. That's not cheap yeah, yeah. for you to have that type of relationship and to be that deeply connected and care that deeply about another person. Uh, my question to you would be, 
be how did shape how did that shape your worldview um, as the, as you went over you know thirteen and many other times you went over how did that help you shape your worldview of Japanese people Japanese culture and how, yeah yeah that's my question yeah man I, I think that's a that's a fantastic question uh, I'll start with at least the first time I went I mean it's crazy like even as a kid I, I this this is kind of a memory that's embedded in my mind is like I remember getting off the plane um, and hopping on the bus like it was like we got in kind of late. I want to say we're on 6 p.m. or so, but you know, we have been flying. It's like a 14 hour flight from Baltimore to, to Tokyo, to Narita. And um, yeah, man, I remember getting on the bus and being exhausted and thinking like, okay, like, you know, I'm finally here. Um, and I remember like, man, it's kind of a stupid memory, but it's like, man, I remember how fresh the water tasted. Like, oh man, this bottle <laughs> water is crazy. And then uh, okay. the next, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of random. But then the next day, uh, we we geared up to go to school. Uh, well, no, that's the next day we went to the Olympic Village. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. The school part of it was later, but we went to the Olympic Village and just, it was kind of crazy. Like we had a few different encounters with people and I remember my first thought being, which was what I was going to get to was, man, it's, it's crazy how across the world that there are people who don't look like me, whose cultures are slightly different but they all have the same kind of dreams, hopes or whatever. Kids, kids are kids, no matter where you are. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the kids that cut up in your middle school or whatever, um, the kids that work super hard, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of the same. Um, and, and people want the best for their families and for their lives. And I remember at that young of an age thinking like, man, it's crazy that we all share the same sky. Like we're not as, as separate as sometimes, you know, you know, the media portrays us to be. And I remember thinking that as a kid, like, man, like, is, is crazy. It kind of just expanded my worldview in the sense that, you know, growing up for me, it was just my homies in the neighborhood. Like it was me and, and those, and those folks. And we played a lot of basketball, played games and stuff like that. And so to kind of step outside of that and see that across the world, there are people who, who were kids like us. Um, I don't know. It was kind of mind blowing. And I, and I think um, over the years, just speaking to, the different times I've gone, I think I've been very fortunate to go in kind of different stages of life. So, you know, I went the first time when I was 13, mm-hmm. then I went back when I was 17. So, you know, you're a little older, so you see a little more and you got a different kind of perspective. Then I went back as a college student at 19 mm-hmm. um, and started, and, you know, started dating and all of that kind of stuff. Then I went back as a young professional in my early twenties. Um, and then again, as a full-time, essentially kind of, kind of a pseudo college student um, after having a professional career. And so I think, um, yeah, I just kind of, I've kind of seen the entire range and, and very small glimpses of different life stages. And I think it just really made me, like I said, it just deepened, deep in the sense that, you know, we're, we're really the same. And I think it kind of further underscores for me that like anybody who's going to be racist or, or prejudiced or biased against another person because of their culture, their sexuality, their color, their skin, whatever, it's just foolishness because at the end of the day, like, you know, people are people. Um, and we all want uh, a lot of the same things, and I think that that played a huge role in me developing in that way, and not and and being and being less quick to jump to stereotypes about people, um, and really getting to know them first, because you'd be surprised. You know what I mean? Like I think there's a lot. I could, I could go on and on. There's probably a million stories that surprised me mm-hmm. uh, when I when I went to Japan or things that I didn't expect that would happen that happened. But yeah, man, I think I think that's that's it in a nutshell. Wow, man, you just unpacked so much, bro. That's why I, I, I think I was drawn to you because your mind, for you to be able to articulate the fact at that at that age of thirteen, and we are, we all share the same sky. And I'm gonna tell you something too. Me coming from an all black environment, West Baltimore City, where where I originally came from, right, and then right. moving to Ellicott City, Maryland, and going to you know high school, middle school there as well. Um, the funny thing was, I used to live in this public housing neighborhood, and I've said right. this in a previous episode as well, where it's uh, it's called Cock Crossing or Pine Orchard is the area. And um, mm-hmm. the funny thing was, we didn't have a lot of people come down to our neighborhood. It's all black neighborhood, low income, and right, uh, right. like all black, like dead ass, right in the middle of the suburbs. But it's all black neighborhood. Right. Like you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't even consider like this would be the situation. But the funny right. thing was, on our basketball court, the people that would come down would be some Korean folks. So and I know they're right. not Japanese, but they would come <laughs> down and hoop, and they yeah, would be yeah. and they'd be cool with us, and they'd be cool. They got their little shorts on, trying to be all you know urban or whatever. But they never disrespected right. us. We never disrespected them. 
and we ran ball with them. And it was so cool for me and my preteens to see, hey, man, they want to hoop too. And they were cool. It was right. always no, it was always love. There was no nothing being no no disrespect. And and it helped me to be a it helped me be a more well rounded human being, and to appreciate right. the human experience. And and for me, it made me want to go. I was invited over a Korean person's house before and ate some of their food and smelled what they house smell mm. like and see what they see and do what they do. You know what I mean? Right, and right, it me, yeah. It just made me a better human being, bro, you know? Yeah, flat out. I, I, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree with that statement. I think especially when you're around that age, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I think you can experience certain things when you get older and your mind can change and your, and your brain can be, you know, your mind can be open to different perspectives. But I think there's something special about, like you said, you was a preteen, so, you know, probably 12, 12 mm-hmm. 11-ish, you know what I mean? And same for me, I was 12, 13. I think when you, the earlier you get a chance to get exposed to some of that stuff, the bet, I think the easier it is for you to accept cultural differences or things you don't understand. Like you might not necessarily agree with certain things that people do, um, but to respect them and understand that like, Hey, that's their life and that's what they choosing to do. So I'm not going to discriminate. I'm not going to hate. I'm going to show love. Um, I think it's something special when you're able to do it at a young age, because I think it, uh, it takes hold a little better and a lot quicker. Exactly, bro. Um, that is so dope. So, so from a from a from a from a person who's never been to Japan, what from a visual aspect, what was the part that really touched you? Because I know Japan is a beautiful country. What part when you went to Japan? Right. What part specifically did you go to? And tell us about like the the visuals and stuff like stuff that really blew your mind. Yeah, man, um, it's crazy. I haven't gotten. I, I I spent most of my time in Tokyo, right? Oh, so shit. that's 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 the area where. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the area where my, my host family lives at. Um, they live in kind of a, a small, sleepy sur- suburb, but it's, it's technically still Tokyo. It's like on the outskirts of, of Tokyo. And um, I'd say, man, the, the again, it's, it's been such a long time. Um, I go pretty frequently, but I'd say one of the first impressions that, that kind of blew me away um, as a kid is they have these huge arcade centers. Um, and it's like four or five floors. And it's just lights and uh, games and uh, UFO machines and it's just so much going on um, that I, I think at a young age I was I was blown away. Like it's different. It's, it's hard to explain. Like maybe if you grew up in the '90s and you and you experienced arcade culture in the '90s, you might be like it's something like that. Or if you've gone to Dave and Buster's, you might picture something like that. But I feel like it, it's like that, but turned up times twenty. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> damn. Um, mm-hmm. I just feel like yeah, like. And, and, and yeah, it just was so, so much like they got, they had machines and stuff that kind of, I don't know if people are familiar with Gundams that like they, you can kind of simulate piloting a Gundam, like in an arcade, uh, fashion, like giant fighting robot thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, that was kind of crazy. I think the other thing that blew me away was the trains. Like people, you'll hear this from a lot of people when you get on trains. You get, it's called like densha, like uh, which means like a full full capacity train. Okay. Um, during the hours of like rush hour, and it can get so packed that people have to push you in. Um, <laughs> and there's like these these train attendants that stand there with white gloves. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's too jam packed, they they you know they push you into the train, and you are literally breathing on people. Like I've 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 been on trains so packed that the the I'm, I'm so close to people that I don't have to hold on to anything because they're holding me up with their body weight like <laughs> Corona casserole got a Corona right casserole. right 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 <laughs> but I think so oh, it, it's even crazy because right now like because of the virus and stuff they have to stagger train times and try to like limit the number of commuters who get on a train mm-hmm. you know during a certain time period um, but I think yeah I think the other thing that was kind of uh, amazing is is Japan is kind of weird in the sense that there's a lot of history and a lot of uh, modern things kind of all rolled into the same space. So like you'll see these beautiful like uh, landscape gardens and beautiful parks. Like one of my favorite parks is called Mizumoto Park. It's like near where my host family lives. Um, and if you go in spring, you can see amazing cherry blossoms and stuff like that. Um, and it's just kind of peaceful and relaxing. Like there's still a deep appreciation for nature and, um, kind of uh, cultural, a lot of cultural heritage. But then at the same time, you can go to Shibuya um, and go to like the famous Shibuya crossing where there's, you know, thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people cross that street every day. And if you've ever seen videos of like thousands of people crossing the street at one time, it's crazy. And it's big, it's big, bright lights. It's like, you know, New York, but in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's just crazy. There's a lot of that that you'll see the juxtaposition of like uh, the old with the new. 
Like, yeah, mm. it, that that's kind of that's kind of different. Like, I think um, if you want to find like an old school like Stamachi kind of sleepy town, you can do that. But then if you want the bright lights and glitz and glam and go fast, you can do that. But then if you want to get away and check out something that's more relaxed and kind of distant and a little more what you may picture Japan to be, you can um, you can you can find that too. Like, it's it's kind of all these things rolled into one. Oh wow. That's yeah, bro. My 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 home girl, um, from Atlanta. She she just moved down to Florida. She um, she went for I think for her thirtieth or thirty plus birthday, whatever the case may be. Right. She went to Japan, and uh, um, and I think she had met her significant other uh, or her boyfriend in Japan, or they both had been to Japan, or something like okay, that. Okay. Wow. And yeah. uh, a cool brother, just black love as well. And and she said she was telling she had Facetime me one time, and I was like I would weep. She was showing me these beautiful white trees. I think they could be cherry yeah, blossoms. Yeah. And I said, if mm-hmm. I got to it, because for, for me, as a person who loves aesthetics and stuff like that, the aesthetic right. of how beautiful the city was, it literally would bring you to tears how beautiful some of their architecture is. Have you ever oh, felt yeah. that in all of their architecture? I think um, I'm not a huge architecture guy. What I will say, though, is um, something I am a I'm a huge fan of is Japanese castles. Okay. Um, Ooh, okay. There's a lot of there's a lot of like again like that's just something you're not going to see in the U.S. Like a lot of these castles, well, not all of them. A lot of them have been restored because they've either been burned down or you know different things have happened. They have earthquakes and stuff like that. But um, even when the castles have been restored, it just kind of takes you back to that time, the time period when um, uh, you know kind of feudal Japan where where there were samurai and stuff around and things like that. And they, and they really try to pop that up, you know, especially for, for what they would consider us Westerners um, coming there. And, it, and the architecture from, from a lot of those castles and stuff like that. And some of the, the temples, like one of my uh, favorite temples is Fushimi uh, Naritaisha, uh, which is like uh, the Fox temple. And it's got the different, a thousand, they're called Tori gates, like different uh, gates that go up the side of the mountain. Mm, um, and you can okay. walk through each other. Yeah. They're like these kind of, uh, I don't know if you probably, if you've seen pictures of like, they're kind of like sharp edged gates, um, a singular line. And it's like, they're usually orange in color. I'm oh. kind of blanking on the English, kind of blanking on the English right now, but mm-hmm. there's, I believe there's a symbol, a thousand of them that go up the side of the, the mountain. Um, and you can kind of walk through each of them and you're walking through like bamboo groves and stuff like that. Uh, in terms of regular architecture in the cities, um, you know, I feel like, you know, it's breathtaking to see the, like, like Shinjuku, Shibuya, like, it's very modern, very sleek, but it, it's definitely got a Japanese aesthetic to it. Um, I'd say some, for me, those, what I mentioned earlier, called Stamachi, which is like, in Japanese, it means downtown. Well, in English, it means downtown. Mm-hmm. But what it is, is kind of these old style, kind of like Edo period, which was kind of like um, the 1800s, um, and kind of through, I think some of the 1900s, I might be, you know, for anybody who's watching this as a Japanese historian is probably going to kill me right now. But <laughs> um, either either way, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, like these Edo style houses because of how their their roof, the way the way the way their roofs look, the way they're built, they're kind of small and compact, but they they have a very unique look to them. Those are more the things that I guess I'd be interested in castles, some of the shrines, mm-hmm. um, in those Stamachi areas. Oh wow. That's so interesting. So I was going to ask you about, okay, that's dope. So when you, you know, we all love food. Food is, I'm a, I love eating, Brian. That's, that's. Oh about. yeah. What is your, when you got there, what was, what have a food that, you, uh, that they have that you've fallen in love with that you're like, man, I can't get enough of it. I'll eat it to the point where my stomach hurt. What is something that you really love? Well, Japanese. Well, that's where we met at, man. We met at Uma Uma and, uh, and Glen so, Burnie so for a reason. Yeah. So, I love ramen, man. Okay, ramen, I love, okay, okay. love, love Japanese ramen. Okay. Miso ramen okay. is probably my favorite. Um, I'd say uh, sashimi. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, like there's a difference. Sashimi is actually raw fish. Um, and it's usually just over a small piece of rice. And it's, you know, just sit, you sit it on top. You might mix, you might dip it in some uh, soy sauce or a little wasabi. I love sashimi um, and kaiten sushi, like rotating sushi bars. Mm-hmm. Um I love I love Japanese noodles, man. Just in general, I love udon. I love soba. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. Like I I I absolutely love eating in Japan. Even some more of the traditional stuff, um, like names I couldn't necessarily pull out in English at all. Like just different types of fish. Like there was this uh, traditional Japanese restaurant that my host family had been going to. My host dad, in particular, had been going to since he was a little boy. Mm-hmm. Um, it no longer exists right now. 
because the the master of the uh, shop decided to retire for a few years. He may come back, mm-hmm. but um, some of the traditional Japanese cuisine that they had there was amazing, and the fr- and the fish is so fresh, mm-hmm. um, so clean tasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I don't I don't know if you noticed, know Japan has some of the highest food safety standards in the world. So like, really, that's why eating raw, yeah, that's why eating raw foods and things like that in Japan isn't as big a deal as it is in the states because um, they have some very high food safety standards. Did not know that. So, yeah, so, so did you yeah. ever go down near like the wharf near where the water was? Did you ever go into any of those water markets or fish markets? Yeah, so I actually have been to Skiji, the famous fish market. What? Um, For real? Yeah, I went yeah, I went oh, when shit. I was like seventeen. Yeah, me and my homeboy went back. Like this is the high school trip. So this is my second trip back to Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now what's crazy is like you actually not just because of coronavirus, but they changed the way the Skiji fish market works. Like it used to be that if you got up early, you know, three, four in the morning, you could go down to the actual wet market and walk around and watch the uh, fishermen sell their goods and stuff like that, to different stores and all that kind of stuff. And you were kind of in the middle of the action. Mm-hmm. Uh, now um, they moved it to this area called Toyosu um, and the, the fish market is still there. So you can go, go to some of the restaurants, but they don't let you on the, the floor. So like the market that's been moved to Toyosu is kind of at a, like a raised balcony. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of watch from afar. And so, yeah, like that's, it's crazy. Like I got the chance to do that before they, they changed it because yeah, if you were to do it now, it definitely wouldn't be the same. Um, but yeah, man, it, it was, it was crazy seeing the big, uh, tuna that they, they hauled out and, you know, people ordering and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, man, it was crazy. It was crazy. You got to get a mad. You had to get a mad early to go though. It was like, we got wow. up at three, four in the morning. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they just bring in, the, they bring in, they bring in the fish in fresh. So they just caught it. Damn. And so they all, they're, they're bringing it in and auctioning it off to sell to, you know, different restaurants and stuff like that. Uh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, okay. it was crazy. Wow. I was gonna, man, just, yeah, my dream literally on my bucket list is Korea, Japan, um, Indonesia. Um, those are that, but Japan, definitely. Um, did, now, at the time that you went, Poke, was uh, when you first went, was, was Pokemon really hot over there or no? So when I was a kid, the first time I went, um, I mean, Pokemon has always been hot, really. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. even kids now still play it. Mm-hmm. What was real big when I went was Naruto. Okay. Like, that was that was super popular at the time, the, the first time I went. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, to the point where, like, that's kind of how I even got introduced into Naruto. Like, it was when they could, they were selling uh, all the merchandise, all the goods and stuff like that. Um, I think One Piece was popular. One Piece is still, I think, the most popular manga in Japan right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still been going on. Naruto has since ended, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it was interesting about the Pokemon thing is I kind of have a funny story. So yeah, go ahead. <laughs> when I was when I was younger, uh, I think the conversation came up. Maybe it was maybe my second or third trip there. I can't remember when, but I was talking to my host sister about it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, like that's a a, a Bulbasaur," and she was like, "A what?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, "A Bulbasaur," and she's like, "Nah, bro, that's." that's not what we call it. So the names of the Pokemon in Japan are actually different. Mm-hmm. Like they're not the exact same. So Bulbasaur is not Bulbasaur. It's like Fushigibana or something like that. And okay. then like Charizard isn't Charizard. Charizard is Lizardon. And so it was like funny to kind of compare notes. Like Ash Ketchum's name ain't Ash Ketchum. It's Satoshi. Like oh. Brock isn't Brock isn't Brock. He's Takeshi. Misty isn't Misty. She's Kasumi. Like, Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Okay. And so, yeah, what's funny about it is like, I'm like, oh yeah. And I'm trying to say it in Japanese, like Misty. And they like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and um, <laughs> even like down to the point where like, what's funny is, um, I don't, karaoke is a big thing. Oh, I um, love karaoke. Karaoke and a lot is, of, and is awesome. And a lot of East Asian culture and in Japan, it's a little different. Like in the U.S., karaoke is more like you go to a bar, you know what I'm saying? And every, and one person stands up. And everybody's kind of watching. And sometimes it's people who are actually real good. And sometimes, you know what I mean? It's just people who had too much to drink. Um, but in Japan, it's a lot more intimate where it's like you rent a karaoke room amongst some of your friends. And maybe it's like five, 10 of y'all. Mm-hmm. If it's real crazy, like a karaoke party, it might be 10 to 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of were starting to compare theme songs because, you know, we had Pokemon, they had Digimon and all that kind of stuff. Like we all had some of the same shows. Mm-hmm. And so like singing the Pokemon theme song in English, versus Japanese is totally different. All my Japanese friends is like, nah, yo, the English version is whack. Oh, um, damn, we talking that like, stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, like the English version is whack. Or like even the Dragon Ball Z theme song is like, oh no, the Japanese Dragon Ball theme song is way better than the English one. So it's just little funny stuff like that that you wouldn't think about. That like, oh, we got the same show, so it must be the same. Mm-hmm. But no, it, it wasn't. And that was kind of a funny cultural point to connect on. It's like, man, we like the same shows, we like the same characters, but we we relate to them a little differently because the experience is a little different. Mm, interesting. I was going to ask you a couple things about like just the lifestyle. When So we know yeah. Japanese culture in terms of the way they do their homes and their beds and, and bathrooms. How was that experience on sleeping on the Japanese bed? Was it, just, did it, was it just like an American bed or was it totally different? So it was different, man. So when I was, when I first stayed with them, um, they, this is before they got their house redone. So I, I slept on a futon mm-hmm. and a futon isn't like a futon. Like you think you're in America with like, it's like a pullout couch with a metal frame. Mm-hmm. It's like, nah, you, you sleep on a bunch of different padding and blankets, um, that they prepare for you so that, you know, your back isn't necessarily just right on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it's comfortable. And so, yeah, it was like, I slept on the floor. Um, but it was cool, man. Like it was, it was definitely different. It was cool. And subsequent times I've gone back, um, I slept on the floor. Um, they have a tatami room, um, strictly like all tatami flooring. And, um, uh, I slept most of my time spent there. I slept in that room on the floor more as of recently. Um, they got their house remodeled. They, uh, got some more Western size bed, more Western style beds. And so now when I stay, I sleep in a, I sleep in a more American or Western style bed, but I, I don't mind the tatami. Like I, I kind of like it. Um, it was it was kind of it was crazy the first time I did it, but once you do it a few times, you get used to <laughs> it. Unless you're old and you got back problems, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, how? Okay, I was going to ask you about um, how did you get your haircut, bro? How was that? Oh, or, did, or you always had your hair long, or or did you have it short? Man, then? so back in the day, <laughs> so my hair is long now, but mm-hmm. back in the day, my hair was always short. So oh, you just have you just you just walking around with the rough cut. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, <laughs> When I got a little older, so I got another funny story. In Japan, uh-huh. turning tw- turning twenty is the sign of. It's called. Uh, it's basically when you become an adult. Oh, like wow. most most of your rights in Japan start at the age of twenty, so you can start drinking. Mm-hmm. Might be able to smoke a little earlier than that, but you can vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a formal ceremony the at, in January of the following year called a seijin shiki, which is coming of age ceremony, right? Mm. And so. I turned 20 while I was in Japan um, when I was there in college. Mm-hmm. And so because my host family and I are so close, they were like, hey, let's 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 prep it. Like, let's do it as if you were one of our kids and we're going to go through with the Seijin Shiki. So I'm like, all right, bet. like, that's cool. And so <laughs> um, before the ceremony actually happens, you all take a family picture together. So everybody comes, they get dressed up. Like typically um, Japanese women will wear kimono uh, and guys will either wear um, kimono or uh, yukata or they that's Japanese kind of just traditional Japanese clothing and uh, or guys will wear suits okay. um, like more more modern thing um, mm-hmm. and so we agree like yeah let's do a suit and so I got the suit and so we get ready to do the picture but at this point my hair had been growing because I had been there for like five six months Ooh. and I'm like man I'm like man I can't be yeah. in this picture and, and get these to my mom back home <laughs> and don't have no haircut. Like, I'm finna look crazy. So, I'm trying to explain to my host. Like a a Negro Vegeta. Okay. Right, right, right. So, I'm like, and I got a mean widow speak, too. Oh, shit. Okay, go ahead. So, I'm I'm trying to be like, man, like, I'm trying to explain to my host that, like, even though he speaks English, it's like, he didn't understand about, I guess, like, about hair, about, about, about hair, about, uh, like, you know, hair clippers or whatever. Yeah. And so finally, like after like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, I tried to go get some hair clippers. They weren't like, they weren't the right type. Um, and so he was like, yo, well, how about you, you go to this hair salon that I've been going to since I was a kid. All right, all right. And he's like, my, my, he's like, my mom has been going there since, you know, this is when my host grandmother was still alive. And she's like, you know, she's highly recommended one of the best hairstylists in the city. And so I'm like, all right, bet, bet. So my host family got me this really expensive suit, real nice suit. Um, and so we go to get my hair cut. And so the lady, I sit down and the lady looks at my head and is like, wow. Like at this point, I didn't speak that much. I, I spoke, I speak, I spoke more Japanese, but I still wasn't fluent yet. Gotcha. Um, at this point, but I could, I could understand, you know, general conversation. And so she's going back and forth with my host dad. Most dads like, yeah, like you have like hair clippers. And so she tries to stick the clippers in my hair and then she starts laughing. She's like, yo, it's like steel wool. 
And I'm like, uh, she's like, she's like, I can't, I can't do that with these clippers. I'm not trying to break, break my clippers. So I'm like, dang, man, what am I going to do? And he's like, yo, how about if, if uh, she uses scissors to cut your hair? Okay. And so I'm like, all right, man. So she gave me the, <laughs> the, the dopest non-shape up haircut with some, some scissors. Really? Bro? Um, it was dope. It was dope. It it was dope in the sense that like at least my afro was even, mm-hmm. but if you look at my lineup, boy, it's straight. And so I actually still have this picture. Nigga, um, yeah, it, send it, me this it, it, Yeah, it's framed. It's framed in my parents' house, and it's me in this suit. And you know, I'm flanked by all Japanese people. <laughs> uh, my mom, my mom said I look like Michael Orr from The Blind Side. Oh God, uh, Japanese <laughs> Michael Orr. Right, right, right. But yeah, man. So in this picture, you can see like I got the the freshest like trim with no shape up whatsoever, man. Okay. Like it was, but it was an experience, man. It was it was funny to watch. Um, and I got a, I got a memento out of it. So hey, bro, that's okay. You had the new player haircut, like when you play a video game, and you be right, like the new right, player, yeah, yeah the player. It's all good. Right, right, wow. right. Wow, that's that is man, bro. Your life is so cool, man. I, uh, that, I, <laughs> ah, wow, that's that's so interesting, man. Uh, now let's talk about Philly. Um, you studied in Philly. What did specifically? Did you study Japanese in Philly? Yeah. So. I really I went to uh, I went to Temple in Philly, so I lived in North Philly for like five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I studied engineering; that's what I got my degree in, uh, electrical engineering with a concentration in computer engineering. It's just easier to say computer engineering. Okay. Um, and then I minored in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're just, you're yep. just a smart. You're just a smart dude. I know Temple Broad, nah. Broad Street is right in front of Temple, right? Yeah, it's on. It's Broad Street is like Temple's campus is on. Uh, like if you if you riding through, I couldn't. Give you the exact cross street, but oh, it is yeah, on Broad I used to go to street. Temple all the time. LaCourse Center? Yeah, yeah, the LaCourse yeah. Well, yeah, Center, LaCourse Walk. Yep. Yeah, bro. I used to go to a little uh, corner store up the street. They used to have a cafe across the street from the courses. So when, yeah. when you first go up the steps and you go inside the, the LaCourse Center, it's yep, like. Yeah, I used to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a cafe on the left hand. So you can go. There's Broad Street right in front of it, but you go to the left hand side. There's like there used to be a cafe right across the street. So yeah, you man. Might, you might be talking about Saxby's. Is yeah. there like a Saxby's over there? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I know a little Philly, bro. Philly, Philly, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Philly Broad Street bullies. Exactly. You know what I, mean? yeah. <laughs> I was on the. I was huge on the Philly battle rap. I don't know if you used to watch the Philly battle rap on YouTube. Oh yeah, yeah, I did, man. I used to. <laughs> Cass- Cassidy was probably my favorite rapper oh, for like. My God. When I was yeah. a kid, to like. Yeah. My sophomore year of college, boy, that's all I used to listen to was Cass. Man, and, yeah, you know I mean, like yeah. him beating Freeway in the battle and Freeway, like, yo, put a beat on, yo, put a beat on. Like, <laughs> he ate him up. Or oh, what about you ever knew? Remember Kaboom? You ever heard about Kaboom? No, I ain't they, no Kaboom like that. So, what about Cheek Raw? I've heard Cheek Raw, like back in the day, Reed was Reed Dollars. <laughs> Young Hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and H, yeah. Matter of fact, when I first went to Philly, mm-hmm. my uh, roommate put me on Meek Mill when he when he when he came out with Flamers, Flamers Two. Oh yeah, right before, right before or yeah, when he had the braids, right before he popped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a battle dudes in Bronx. Yeah, he, yeah. This, Meek was yeah, yeah. Meek was nice. Yeah, go ahead. That's oh, what I was saying. Meek was nice. Oh yeah, DJ Still Big. Is. I used to listen to DJ Big Philly. He was the guy that put all the little battles together. So it'd be like Philly versus Harrisburg, Philly versus Delaware, Philly versus Baltimore, yep. Philly versus this, Philly versus that. And um, for a good portion of the time, and um, if you, and, and you being in the same age group as me, that battle rap series in, in Philly was so man. I remember when Reed Dollar was was beefing with Quilly Mills, and Reed mm-hmm. Dollar would make these disses that's like five ten minutes long, or he would do a five minute video with like eighteen yeah. dudes standing around him, and yeah, then eighteen dudes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of them like when they used to be on a snack DVD. Yeah, yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Bars, bro. I, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then, um, so yeah, it was such a great culture for Philly, man. I, I think it's a great American city. And as a Baltimorean, Philly's not that much different overall in terms of like Very energy, true. attitude. They're obviously yep. bigger and they and they dress a little bit more flyer overall, in my opinion, than us. Yeah. But, <laughs> but they yeah. dope. So now we go back, we, we circle back around as we get to the back end of this episode. I'm called Black Love Wins. We were both going through some stuff in life and things, and you were trying to figure out, you know, where you wanted to go with a specific situation. Kind of give us a little yeah. bit. You don't have to give us all the details, but kind of give me that tipping point of our conversation because I feel like I might have encouraged you a little bit. Maybe I did or not. Your thoughts yeah, on that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. 
I, I don't remember all of the conversation, but I know we talked a lot about kind of figuring out what it is you want to do. And, and like, I remember sharing with you, like, yo, I, I do love my girlfriend, but at the same time, it's just that I got a lot going on. And, you know, I don't know if, cause kind of part of the issue for me was like, I was trying to move to Japan and kind of do my own thing and try to figure out um, what I was going to do with that part of my life. But I was kind of at a crossroads where it kind of felt like, you know, at the end of the day, Japan will always be there, but you know, my girlfriend who's again, now my wife, spoiler, um, <laughs> which is why we talking about it. But yeah. like, my girlfriend was at times like, yeah, my girlfriend, I, I could really lose this relationship. And I remember kind of you sharing like, yeah, bro, like, you know, that you should go back and get her, man. Like at the end of the day, like relationships are what's important. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and I, and I remember leaving the conversation, uh, feeling pretty fulfilled. Funny enough, my, my wife's name is Ashley and I've never noticed that right there on route 40 is a, a Ashley's furniture. Oh, and so wow. I had been kind of, I had been kind of praying and thinking about a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to figure out like, God, what should I do? And asking a lot of different people for advice and having a conversation with you, I don't think was a coincidence than driving home, like I said, and seeing the Ashley's furniture for the first time, even though I, you know, I, I grew up in Baltimore and, and it been in the area a number of times, never had ever noticed that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, yeah, man, just subsequently working through a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, I, that that was that was kind of crucial, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you want me to jump into exactly what happened again. I'm, I'm not gonna give all the details, yeah, but I can kind of give a synopsis. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, man, it was it was just so interesting because we both was going through it, and, and and I was at a pivotal point in my life is too because I was like, man, you know, life is you know, whenever you're trying to be successful and you want to achieve stuff, it's gonna be a crossroads. There's all this information that you have to process and figure out where the next move is. And I could tell right. you really, you were really deeply torn up about it in terms of just like you want you want to make the right decision. And really wanted to make the right decision right. and I told you man true love is everything it heals it, it guides us it gets us to where we need to go and I said when you got right. a good black basically I think I remember saying we got, we got, a, we got if you got yeah. a good black woman yeah. I said if you got a good yeah. black woman you take and she down for you bro and she really ride for you like that man she she can make you so make your life so much better and more enjoyable and help you to see things differently and I said man and I said I said and the funny thing was I said you know go make it happen bro and I holler at you and I said when it happens and then randomly I think um I just always, always think, I was like, man, how is he doing? Just thinking in my mind. I think I came across you on Facebook because you was in my phone. And um, I said, right, right. man, I wonder what ever happened to him. And then lo and behold, I see a photo of you and her together. I said, oh, shit. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Because we had, like I said, we hadn't talked for like two years or so. And I'm in the right, right. and you and like I said, and you're in Colorado. And so now I want to know, tell me about, so you got back, to, you don't have to give me all the details about getting it all together. But tell me about this, how you, when you made a decision to, you know, get married or how you presented that ring to her. Tell me a little bit about that, how you made it, how yeah. the decision was crystallized for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of started back when I was home. Mm-hmm. So I was home and still kind of down like a couple weeks. Had, I think a couple weeks had passed since our conversation and we was just kind of going through a lot. And so for me, um, it actually was kind of my brother. My brother came in the house and was like, Hey man, I think if, if, if this was more in line, he said it a different way, but I'm a paraphrase. It was kind of like, if this was more in line with what you wanted, if this was somebody in Japan or whatever that was more in line, you think with that dream, I don't think you would have let this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, dang, man, I really took that to heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of and kind of what I had realized, like for me, that my faith is the most important thing in my life. Like my relationship with God and trying to trying to be loving, trying to be, um, there's, there's the, greatest, the greatest commandment, right? It says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes. I think, uh, loving God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I think I was still trying to lean on my own understanding in a lot of ways and being like, God, well, like I've been given this amazing ability to speak Japanese and have all these connections and have all this stuff going on. Why isn't it seeming like, you know, I need to move to Japan and start my life there and find a wife here and do all of that kind of stuff. Um, and, and it took a lot of soul searching. And what I, the, the, the crucial point that I came to to answer your question was like, I felt like, I just wasn't trusting God. Like some people might feel like, yo, okay. Like, but you can do what you want to do, whatever. But for me, just speaking for me and nobody else, respect, respect. it was like, man, like, I feel like, man, like I can't, I feel like I put this before God. Like if there was anything, there, there's not a thing I wouldn't have done to move to Japan and start my life there. Like that's not a thing I wouldn't have sacrificed, be it my own family, be it my own friendships, be it relationships, be it my mental health, be it my well being. There was nothing. And, and so essentially, right. Like that kind of became God for me is this idea of myself, 
doing all these things in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of just left it alone and was like, you know what, God, like, if you want that to happen, it'll happen. If you don't want that to happen, then, then it won't. And I'll, and I'll trust your plan and, and just try to see like, man, like what can I do in this life? That's not going to just benefit me, but benefit other people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, long story short, what ended up happening was I had kind of had these series of prayers where I had two job offers on the table mm-hmm. and it was one that would have given me everything I would have wanted. I would have had a job. Um, they were going to fly me to Japan, I think for six months, okay. making a ton, a ton of money, mm-hmm. um, in my field as an engineer, as a field engineer. Mm-hmm. And there was a potential that like, once I trained in Japan, I could either stayed in Japan or moved up to Vermont. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just worked and kind of set my own schedule making, um, it was like a hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay. I'm like that. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> uh-huh. I'm like, yo, that's a, that's a grip, right? Yeah, like, I'm baby. like, man, like that's, that's crazy. Like this is everything I've ever wanted. Oh, and yeah. then at the same time, uh, my, my wife then girlfriend was about to take this trip mm-hmm. and we asked, we had agreed to stop talking for a period of time. Cause we, I, we had seen each other at a mutual friend's wedding, um, a whole bunch of other stuff. And, um, I, I remember that, like kind of being on her, her Instagram and her Facebook and kind of laying awake at night at like 3am and just kind of sweating like, yo, what's going to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, God, like if you want me to move to Colorado, you got to give me a way to get out there. Cause if not, I'm taking this job in Vermont. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, and within three to four hours, I got an email from Damn. this job that I had applied to, mm-hmm. um, like six months prior and they didn't have an opening. Um, and then when I, I talked to them two months after that, and then they told me the opening that they did have, they weren't going to be able to fill until February of the following year. Mm. I got, I kid you not, bro. I can't make this up. Three, four hours after this prayer, I got an email from the, from the manager there. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yo, we got a position here in Colorado open. And so it was to be a travel consultant, sending people to Japan. Mm. Um, and he was like, yo man, crazy enough. One of the guys quit. Um, and we need somebody. Can you come out here in like a week? God, and so I, I flew out there, had the interview. Um, they hired me the same day. And so now I had a choice to make. You know what I mean? Like, am I going to follow this thing that I've always wanted to do? Or am I going to pursue, you know, my, my, my now wife? And I was like, man, another crucial point was one of my friends saying to me, like, hey, I, I think if you married somebody in Japan and did all of this stuff, I think it would be selfish in the sense that you're not giving your, you wouldn't be giving your wife anything. It's all about you. It's all about your career. It's all about your dreams. It's all about these goals that you've had. Um, and, and, and she was like, I think you can do those things and move to Japan, but I think you're going to be hitting for divorce and hitting for a life of kind of disappointment. If, if it's going to all be about you, but this relationship with Ashley, it seems like there's mutual love there. There's mutual respect. There's this deep appreciation and understanding. Um, and this job was, Seventy thousand dollars less, so they was paying me like thirty thirty k. Ooh, um, Ooh and, so she, and, and so right, <laughs> right, and so my homegirl, yeah, was like, "Yo, you said you got all this faith, but you don't think the money's gonna come back to you if you do the right thing." Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the challenge. And so mm-hmm. I made the choice to come out here, and it was crazy. I came out here, I got reconnected. Um, somebody that I knew basically kind of got me the job. Like when I, once I finished the interview, he needed a place to stay. So I found a roommate immediately oh, was wow. able to get my car out here. It just all fell into place. Wow. And, and then we just kind of, it was a rough start when we got back out here, we started rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I kind of knew if I was coming back out here, I was coming out here to marry her. I wasn't coming out here to do anything less. Ooh, real nigga um, stuff. So ah, yeah. I was just, I was like, yo, I'm not about to waste her time. Yeah. Like, you know I mean, like if, if I'm coming out here, I'm going to come correct. Hell yeah. Um, and so, long story short, like, you know, we went through our ups and downs and stuff like that. There was a lot of hurt there that we had to kind of work through. And we all do. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Especially because when we broke up, I just drove back across the country. We broke up and I was out of there. So, uh, it was it was a wild situation. But, yeah, uh, on, on St. Patrick's Day, it was, I didn't plan it for that day, but that's when the day that it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I proposed to her. She said yes. Um, and we've been married now about a year. It'll be a year on August 2nd. Oh, uh, my sister's and my sister's birthday, which is so crazy, August second. Oh, that's wild! Yeah, that's wild! Yeah, it, it'd be about a year, and I'm I'm loving it, man. It's not without its challenges, and it's not like, uh, you know, I, I haven't sacrificed things, but I think I've also um, received a lot of different things. Like, man, I was able to. I left that job that I started, and since I started my own business, digital marketing business, with with a good friend of mine, and that business has been growing. Like I said. Um, I did the, I started the YouTube channel. We also into it doing another venture called black business advocates advocating for like, okay. uh, small black businesses and creating digital content for them to help get create their, increase their exposure. But yeah, man, I, I think none of this stuff that I wanted to do, like work for myself and all of that stuff, I think would have never 
come into fruition. I can't say for sure, but I don't think it would have happened the way that it happened if I hadn't made the choice um, to marry my wife and come back out here and, and be in Colorado. Like, who knows what I would be doing right now? Yeah. Maybe I'd be working this 100K job, but there's so much more, more potential with this business that we've started. Oh, yeah. Um, and I don't know, man. I, I'm grateful. I'm happy. Like I said, again, like it, it's not always all sunshine and roses. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's how life works, but no, yeah. uh, I think if you're willing to put the work in and, and I love my wife and she, she supports me, she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're, I think a fantastic team. Mm-hmm. Um, it works, man. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm pleased. Um, and, and I feel good and I'm doing, and I'm doing my thing. And I think the most important thing is, it's based on something real. It's not based on something that's superficial. It's based mm. on, you know, our, our, our faith and our love for one another. And it's mutually beneficial. Like as in, I'm not looking to get something out of it to further my career, or advance myself, but this, that, and the third It's like, I genuinely love her and respect her and want, want, want her to succeed in life. And she wants the same for me. And so I think living my dream in Japan, I think I, I would have been a more selfish person for it. Like, yeah. so, and, um, and, also, and that's hard to say. Oh yeah. But yeah. But yeah, it's hard to say because, you know, it, it's real. I think it's partially reality. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's hard to admit that at certain times. Like, but, I, you know, like I said, I'm happy, man. Like, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm happy. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, and I'm learning a lot. So. Oh, yeah. And and also the work culture in Japan is way different in America. They they work for real, nigga. They, they don't fuck around. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You just say you could have got burnt out because they work 23 hours a week, 23 hours a day. Yeah. And it's a different, <laughs> totally different culture and expectations as well. And what I wanted right. to talk about. Yeah. Because the reason why I want to do this episode specifically is number one, the, the narrative, the, the root, the root thing I want to get to at the end of this podcast as we as we wind down is there's black brotherhood mm-hmm. me and you were the brotherhood we were able to get within less than about an hour of talking we, we made a relationship that's going to last for hopefully for um the rest of our lives right a brotherhood yeah, yeah, a friendship sure. a, a kindership right and then secondarily right, right. is the narrative that black men don't like to get married or all these negative cancerous things that we got going on in social media this right. goes against that narrative she's a beautiful black woman you're a beautiful black dude and y'all together and like you said it's all work you have to make adjustments etc but you made the the um you know the adjustment you went for her you proposed to her and you guys are together to help for black men who are in our position and yeah. in, in, in their late 20s early 30s what should you, would you tell them about finding that if, if they really believe you know marry whoever they want whatever race or culture you want you know as long as they right, love right. you but if you choose to go with a sister, my question to you is what type of positive word you can tell them to, when it comes to, I really want to give, give black love a try. I really want to give yeah. sisters a try, but uh, sometimes it's a little difficult to deal with them. And that's just being yeah. real. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I think that's a stereotype that's out there, man. But I think it, one, it depends on the person, right? Like you say, any race culture, like you can find somebody that's going to be difficult or find somebody that you mesh with. But I think, the big thing about marriage, man, and the big thing about commitment is you have to be willing to change and grow. Like you yourself have to be able to look at look at look at what you do well and what you don't do well. And I think <laughs> that was my wife's funny. She heard me say that in the background. She said, "Yep." Is mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, like you you have to know your strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And I think what you really want to do is find somebody that helps maximize your strengths and covers for your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And so I think, man, like at the end of the day, it's easy to point the finger at another person where she do this and she do that and she do this, but what do you do? You know what I mean? At the end of the day, like self accountability, like, right? Like let's, yeah. let's keep it all the way. Let's keep it all the way a stack. Let's keep it all the way real. Like at the end of the day, like nobody's perfect. Mm-mm. And I think if you find somebody who's willing to, you know, learn and change and grow and also understand their weaknesses and understand that they're not always right. And y'all can both agree to be like, yo, like we're, we're, we're two imperfect people that are in this relationship. We're going to make a ton of mistakes, but it's, that's okay because we're willing to work through those things. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a fantastic thing. And I think one thing that's been super amazing about being married to somebody else that is black is I feel like there is, there's no, I mean, not to say that, you know, like different black, black people aren't all the same. Like they're not, we're not a monolith, but exactly. I, I feel like there is a, a symbol of, a similar cultural background in a lot of ways, a lot of cultural understanding, things that you don't necessarily have to explain. Mm-hmm. Like if you do marry somebody from a different background or different culture, there is going to be a lot of 
learning and cultural understanding and cultural education that you're just going to have to do. Like yeah. I haven't, I didn't, I didn't marry somebody Japanese, but I've dated a Japanese girl uh-huh. um, and, and, and spent time learning in different things and doing different things. And okay. I've had relationships with white women and, oh, yeah. um, and I, you know, different, different, different races and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, like there's a, there's a learning curve, a, a bit of a learning curve because you may not speak the same language and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Not figurative. You know what I mean? Like there's times where figuratively you don't, well, act, in actually, actuality, you don't speak the same language, mm-hmm. but figuratively speaking, like cultural differences, cultural biases, whatever. Um, I just think that especially my wife in particular, because she is very, uh, pro black, pro black does not mean anti anything else. Yeah, it facts. just means you, you, you very much support your culture and things like that. It's important. To I you. do get, yeah. it's, it's important to you. Right. And I do get a lot of encouragement. Um, there's a lot of just very like healthy things that come out of it. Like the way she supports me and the way she's understanding, um, we can relate like again on a, on a cultural level, there's things that we can laugh about from our childhoods that are similar things our parents have said <laughs> and all of those things kind of like, from the trivial to the very serious, um, make a package where it's like, again, as long as it's based on that understanding that it's like that, you know, we're, we're, we're in this to, for the long haul and to grow and to, and to change together. Um, it definitely can make things a little easier. Uh, oh yeah. And, and that's a lot of times too, for me, I've, my first, first girlfriend I ever dated was an Indonesian Canadian and she was straight yeah. up from Indonesia, spoke Indonesian. She's from, um, right. She, where was she from? There's a, uh, she was, I don't know, but, but in, <laughs> I don't remember the specific <laughs> part of Indonesia she was right, from, right. but anyway, she, it was definitely a cultural difference. And a lot of times black dudes like novelty. Let's be honest. Right. It's novel yeah. to have mm-hmm. another, like another person from another culture thinks you're dope. And if you're right. not that traditional six foot three, 225 pound, Chris Brown backflip, bench press 700 right, right. pound dude, <laughs> it can be a little right, difficult, Right. right? But, right. Um, you know, it's novel, but sometimes that wears off and there's different things you got to right. put up with. And I love the fact that you said she supports you. And there are, and, and I'll tell you, there are black women. Out, I want to give black dudes hope. There are black women out there who will support you, who do care and are willing to make the work. It depends on their background. It depends on the maturity as a person. So if right. you're making consistent bad decisions and it's about somebody who's abusive, because black dudes can get abused emotionally as well. They can oh, get, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And people that yell at them, disrespect them, and they find it over and over again. Maybe you look at yourself and say what am I allowing happening what am I attracting exactly. what am you know and kind of again self you gotta you gotta be control of self you gotta be um accountability of self and um so you're encouraging me man that that black love exists and and again we're not a monolith and um there's so many different types of people of color throughout the world and you just gotta date a person from maryland you gotta date somebody from colorado you could date uh, a a cameroonian uh sister whatever there's so much diversity so sometimes we don't want to give up on our people so easily i think we give up too much and um I'm thankful. So as we get to the end of the podcast right now, first of all, I'm thankful that we got to talk. Um, I'm encouraged. I'm uplifted. And even as a person, I, I consider myself a free thinker. I'm not religious at all. I do believe yeah, in yeah. the creator. But for you to to, re, to reiterate that the universe, that, that, you say God, I say the, uh, the universe. Yeah, you, yeah, put, yeah. you put positive energy out in the universe. You had an objective. You soul searched. You put good vibrations out there. And you followed mm-hmm. up with your intention. And look at where yeah. we are back full circle. You got your wife. And you got another brother in your life, man. And I think that's so dope. And I hope to have you back on for other cool, interesting topics that, you know, that, um, that you're into. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast, bro. Yeah, man. I, I, I want to say, man, thank you for having me. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's been dope to reconnect again after two years, man. And it's crazy to think, you know, when I walk into this ramen shop, like down in the dumps that like two years from now I will be married to the woman of my dreams. And like you said, like have a new brother that I can connect with vibe with, and we can talk about deep things and things that really matter. And I think you doing this for the community and, and, and trying to highlight positive aspects of our culture, because there's definitely a lot of negative stereotypes out there. And I think more importantly, especially in the, in the social climate that we're in now with everything that happened with George Floyd and, you know, all the different murders that have happened to black people by police and, you know, all the police brutality, Mm -hmm. um, you you know, all of that stuff. I think it's important for people like you, um, to continue to put these positive images out there as positive energy. Um, even what you talked about, positive vibrations and stuff like that, because I think it shows people that like, Hey, 
you know, we're not all just hoopers. We don't all just play football. We're not yeah. all just dancers. You know what I mean? We're not all just entertainers. Like, yeah. there are black people who are neurosurgeons. There are black people who are podcasters. Black people who are brewers. Black people who are entrepreneurs. Like, mm-hmm. you know, black people who, who exist on every level of, uh, of the culture. Um, and I think us having, being, being represented in these spaces is, is super important, man. So I salute you, man. And I think you're doing a, doing a fantastic job, man. And I'd love to, love to be back on Hell and chop yeah. it up with you some more. My boy. Okay, so on, from, on the marketing side, where can people look at some of your stuff if they're interested in doing work with you or, or, or just connecting with you and trying to figure out what they can do to, 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 to develop their business? What can we, what, what can we do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cut off for a second, but I think I got that. Like, where can people look look me up for certain stuff? Is what you were saying, right? Yeah, yeah. Somebody's trying to call me. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, you know, you all good. It's uh, so my main business uh is called SB Advocates. So we do a lot of digital marketing and stuff like that. Um, SEO, search engine, you know, that search engine optimization, uh, social media management, uh, content creation, brand creation. So that's SB Advocates. S as in super, B as in boy. Advocates.co. The next major business that I want to give a shout out to, which is our uh. Our subsidiary of our main business is called Black Biz Advocates. And so you can check that out at blackbizadvocates.com. Um, we are creating a black business directory that's super dynamic that will create uh, professionally edited and shot videos for black businesses to highlight um, and gain exposure beyond just what's going on right now and people shopping black because of the, the political environment. Um, and it, it's going to really create a, a, a very highly sought after a conglomerate of well crafted black businesses so check that out and then if you want to check out my japanese stuff like i said i haven't been doing i've been doing more so the sb advocates and black business advocates stuff but check me out on youtube at desi d's dojo um to check out different japanese content things that i'm doing um and hopefully later on this year i'll have some more content on on, on the social media front oh sorry on the youtube front coming back at you guys so excellent yeah that's me in a nutshell Excellent. And guys, you can catch me on Rob the MC on Instagram, Rob the MC on Twitter. And um, yeah, man, this, this is how we go. So thanks for coming with us down the rabbit hole. Peace. Peace.